Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can be assembled together on this beautiful Christmas Sunday. Lord, we ask that you would work in each of our hearts and our spirits. Lord, we should not praise you greater on one day than another. But yet, Lord, today we remember your entrance into the human race where you became one of us to live among us, to suffer all the privations and the problems of humanity that the Bible tells us that you would become our faithful high priest who was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. Lord, we want to thank and praise you and worship you for your greatness and your love and your great condescension where you came to meet us and to save us from our sins. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pray that that song be a blessing. And it gives the whole story there. And Jason, let's let those be dismissed to the Children's and Tyler's Church. Could I have my Bible, please? That might be helpful. All right. And um, those to the Tyler's Church, Children's Church, the rest of us, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Last week, I told you the message this year, Christmas Sunday's message, actually has two parts. Uh, The first part was last Sunday morning on being a giver. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And we understand that uh, one of the greatest reasons it's more blessed to give than to receive is because If you're going to be on the giving end of this, you have to have something to give. And uh, we are so thankful that God is the great giver. Amen. No one can outgive the Lord. And yet, He has given us an opportunity to give ourselves. Now, we, we live in a world that has a tremendous problem with pride. In fact, it is the greatest sin in all the Bible. I'll promise you, Solomon was absolutely 100% correct when under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he wrote the words, Only by pride cometh contention. If there's contention in your life, I want you to understand, there's pride there somewhere. Uh, There has to be. Well, I don't have any. Only the other person does. Well, wait a minute. It it takes two. It really does. Uh, We... We live in a world where we love to affix blame, do we not? And I, I want to challenge you, if you spend any time in this book, there's, there's enough blame to go around, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet, in that sinful state where we have literally nothing, our soul is, as we would consider it, on The road to hell condemned forever. And yet Jesus said, listen, if you'll give me what you have, I'll give you eternal life. What a great Savior. Could we say amen to that? We serve a Savior whose love exceeds our sin and our guilt, whose grace is greater than anything that we can do. Uh, I do not ever... uh, uh, rejoice in the fact that people oppose God, but I often have to just snicker a little bit under my breath. And say, oh, we're going to prove that there is... Uh, oh, be my guest. Prove all you want. You cannot disprove the God of the Bible. He is here, and even the whole world stops at this time of year to acknowledge God's greatest gift. Whether they do it honestly and from their heart or not. But I wonder how many people are out right now searching for something, a Christmas gift. They said, it's Christmas, i got to give something. Never give a thought as to why that's that way. We give gifts because God gave His gift. Amen. And so, we take this time of year and we talk about giving. And I I want to just go on record here once again, thanking God that our church is a giving church in, in so many ways. We 
had, uh, I believe, 39 people in Fleshman's yesterday. And uh, uh, I, I would guarantee you that uh, that town has seldom seen that many people come up there for just to sing in their streets. Uh, and, and so we got out there and enjoyed the time. It was a good thing. And, and being giving is wonderful. You know, probably the greatest thing about giving is it kind of puts you in charge just a little bit. You ever think about that? I mean, it was New Year's Eve, uh, 19... Oh, man, I'm going to mess up the date. Oh, thank you. My, my, I knew it was 87. I'm just trying to... But 1987, I gave my wife-to-be a gift. It was a ring. And it had a little uh, diamond on there. And Now, in her receiving that gift, she said some things. The most important was, yes. I mean, that was just really... Uh, uh, one of the greatest things that, that has ever happened to me, and I praise the Lord for that. But I, I want you to think about something, and, and we want to kind of look at this a little differently, because it's, it's a whole lot easier for us to develop and get the giving end than it is the receiving it. And so this morning, the question of the message is simply this. Are you a good receiver? I mean, we do live in a world where there are professional receivers, if you know what I mean. That's not a positive thing. Uh, Every year uh, we get... Phone calls. Uh, do you give away turkeys on Thanksgiving? Do you do this? Do you do that? And, and, and our answer is no. Uh, you know, we can't compete with the government. They, if they run out of money, they just print new money. If we do that, we go to jail. So, uh, you know, we have some limited resources here. And we, we love to give. And I'll tell you, we, uh, our, our missions giving since the missions conference, I've got to uh, let Brother Brown know, uh, has been one of the strongest improvements in the history of our church. I just have to tell you that. Uh, before our missions conference, we were just, oh, uh, sometimes we didn't make budget, but we would try to make it up in the next month. I mean, we were just going across. Now, now we got surplus. Now, you know what that means? If you keep giving surplus, that means we'll be able to add some missionaries next month. And that is always a very positive thing. And so we want to do that. But it's hard to develop a proper sense of receiving without becoming a bigger. Without adding expectations that are not real to the whole circumstance. Are, are you with me this morning? You're gonna, we're going to have to think about this message or it's just going to sound weird to you. And it'll probably sound weird anyway, but uh, I, I want us to think about being on the receiving end. Now, John chapter 1, let's look at verse 12 here. John chapter 1. 348 times in your Bible the word received is used. And so we definitely cannot cover all of those. But verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. One more time. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, this is certainly 
what we would call a transformative truth. Uh, it says that as many as received him, talking about Jesus, that to those people that received him, God has given the power to become the sons of God, even to everyone that believes on Jesus' name. This is how you appropriate that power to your life, is simply believing on Jesus' name. So, the first thing is, how much like Jesus are you? How recognizable are you as a son of God? And ladies, you do understand this is just simply talking about a statement of position. Uh, sons inherited from the father and, and would pass on. And so God has given every one of his children a right to inheritance, a right to the title a right to enter into heaven, a right to be included in this thing called the family of God. You know, sometimes I think we just got over what salvation really is. It says, if we will receive Jesus, He will give us the power to become His Son. To have standing. Some of you remember the story of union and we were talking about different things at the very beginning. And and, and uh, the trustee was like, uh, well, why can't you guys just give us the money and fix up the building? And said, uh, because uh, without becoming the pastor of the church, I do not have standing. I cannot legally come in and fix a building if I'm just a person, but if I'm the pastor of the church, that gives legal rights and authority to me to appear on the church's behalf at the building department and and to do all these things. And and so the Lord worked all of that out and we showed up at the building department. Who are you? I'm the pastor of the church. How long have you been the pastor of church? Oh, about 10 hours. Uh Really? What are you going to do? We're going to fix it. Sure. And every one of the men at that meeting that we had a privilege of meeting later was, we can't believe what you guys have done. This is a miracle. You see, God's good, isn't he? But how many of us, uh, I, I just search for illustration of this, but let's just ask the Holy Spirit to search in our own hearts and minds. We have received this power. If you're here today and you have believed on Jesus Christ, you have trusted only in Him for your salvation, it says that He has given this power to you to become the sons of God. Now, illustration, we'll just try this one for practical purposes. Uh, you do not want to use all of the potential energy in the switch box of the building. Okay? Uh, we, in this building, we have a 400 amp service. If we were to hook up enough electronic equipment to draw 400 amps of power at one time, what would happen is those fuses down there, which are very expensive, would burn in two to keep the wires that go out into the street from burning up and setting the whole grid on fire, as has happened in Astoria in the past. Uh, some of you remember the manhole covers on 30th Avenue. Uh, several hundred pounds were blowing two and three feet in the air, just boom, right down the right down the street. And it took weeks to get the power back on because all of the potential energy there had been the, the the cable the energy that the cables could carry had been overloaded and the cables melted down and the whole grid burned up. Could I challenge you? There is no way that you can possibly exhaust the gift of God, or utilize it to its fullest potential in your life. Uh, I believe it was D.L. Moody that said, 
that the world has yet to see uh, the result of one life wholly dedicated to Jesus Christ. And, of course, it's not original with him. Uh, uh, that, that is a thought that every Christian, every one of us here understands. Not a one of us have reached 100% of that transforming power to make us the sons of God. Now, I, I don't know of a better time of the year than Christmas Sunday. We're thinking about giving and receiving of gifts. Yes, we like to give. But the Bible says, but as many as received him, if you've accepted God's gift, that he's given you the power to become his son. And that power is transferred and transformed into your life by believing on his name. That's why uh, we refer to the passage in Second Peter often, uh, every good thing in your life, everything in your life about serving God comes through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Every problem that you face, every answer that you need comes in knowing about Jesus Christ. And having this power to become his son is the answer to every problem that we will ever face. You say, you don't know the enemies that are against me. Um, no, I probably don't. But I do know this, that nobody has ever defeated God. And he wants to make me his son. John put it this way, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You want to live in victory. You want to live. You need to receive this gift. But receiving this gift has some ramifications, does it not? I mean, there are some things that will change in our life. I've often asked people who, who have struggled with different things. I said, what, what would change in your life if Jesus came and took the couch in the living room for the next 30 days? Just, I'm going to spend the next 30 days with you. I'm going to sleep on your couch. Would things change around your house? But he's living inside of us. The power of God to make us his son is the gift of every person who has received Jesus. How, how well are we at receiving? Are we letting that gift that God is giving to us do its work in our heart and life? Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Again, we're looking at the word receive. And verse 8, the apostles are understanding that Jesus' time to go into heaven is very near. And so they're asking him, uh, do we get to be kings and priests now? And Jesus said, that's not for you to know. Verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and Someone says, well, how do I know that the Holy Ghost has come upon me? Are you saved? If you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's the, uh, if you will receive it, if you will understand the truth, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, simple and true. It is the permanent indwelling and sealing of the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. We covered that Thursday night. But if we've received that power, how good a receiver? Well, actually, we could measure that. How good a witness? How good a testimony do we give to people we meet about Jesus Christ? 
if we have received the power to become God's Son, if the Holy Spirit is in us and we've received the power then to tell other people about Jesus. I want to to challenge you that this gift is there. We have it, but we're not using it very well. Have you ever given a gift to someone that you really put everything in? And they looked at it and went, what's this? You ever had that happen? I mean, that's one of the most unpleasant experiences in human life. Is it not? Oh, I, I heard that silly little song. I gave you my heart on Christmas Day, and the very next day you gave it away or something like that. And, and uh, my, my first thought is, if you had that little bit of sense to give everything that you have to somebody who didn't want it, you got problems. Uh, it's time to start over in this thing called life. Amen? Uh, but God has given us these things. Do we ignore that gift that he's given us? It says we're supposed to be witnesses to him. And some people have wrongly attached to that the ability to coerce people into praying a prayer. That's not being a witness. One thing I have found is, especially working with children, is any honest child under the age of 12 if I really wanted to talk to them and work on them, I could, I could get them to pray a prayer. But that would just be me getting them to pray a prayer. I also found out if the Holy Spirit was working in their hearts, that no matter what I did, I couldn't stop them from praying and asking Jesus to save them. Adults are pretty much the same way, only much more difficult to deal with than children. When adults go like this, yes, understand. Because we got so many other things that we have brought into our lives, so many other things that distract our attention and take us away from the truth, these truths that are in here. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. This is one of the reasons we wholesale reject the modern day charismatic movement, because the primary uh, reference to the Holy Spirit in that movement is not telling other people about Jesus but manifestations of certain phenomena that are recorded in the Scripture. If the Holy Spirit is working in your life, you're going to tell other people about Jesus. God does the saving. Amen? Now, let's just turn the page. Or two, to chapter 2 and verse 41. People often have asked the question, what does it take to be a member of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church? Right here it is. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and prayers. That's, that's how simple it is. Uh, you must gladly receive this word. That's what receiving Jesus is all about. You must be receive that power to become God's son. Salvation does not come from the church. You've got to be saved before you can be a member of the church. Uh, you will not do this church any good, and we will not do you any good, no matter how much uh, peace and whatever you find in life. If you're not saved, you lose it all when you die. But if you have salvation in Jesus Christ, it really doesn't matter. I get to go to heaven to be with him. You must gladly receive the word. 
What's the next thing then? And be baptized. You see, receiving that word has some things that are attached to it. God does not give us a gift and then put a hook in it and say, See there, I got you. Baptism is simply a public testimony of having received the gift in my soul. Baptism is important. Without it, you cannot truly serve Christ. Oh, you can do everything you want. You're going to go to heaven because salvation is not connected to baptism. Baptism is like your birth certificate. You don't go... Uh, They don't give birth certificates to expectant parents. Uh, They give birth certificates after the baby is born. Amen? And uh, that's the difference between baptizing a person before they're saved or after they're saved. It's meaningless. It's only after life is experienced. And then it says, and they continued, and the same day were added unto them... About 3,000 souls, if you're added to something, I I would think that would qualify as membership. Amen? And and that is how a person is made a member of the church. You, You must be saved, baptized, and willing to join with us. And it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread. That's the uh, Lord's Supper and those things and in prayers. You know, if you receive the Word and get saved, the Word will drive you into the baptismal pool. If your salvation doesn't demand biblical baptism, i am got to be honest with you as a pastor, I'm going to question the kind of salvation you have. I'm going to question how well a receiver you are of that gift. And I've had people, well, I'm willing to get baptized, but I don't want to become a member of any church. Well, wait a minute. Jesus gave himself for his church. Read Hebrews chapter 12. The church is his body. It's not some erythral, invisible, universal thing in heaven. It is a living local assembly of believers It is how Jesus wants the Great Commission to be accomplished in this world. He never said, go thee therefore. He said, go ye therefore. He said, but ye shall receive power. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the first church. And they have a duty to do. And it says, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. You know, one of the things that a church is supposed to be is right there. Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and prayers. This, this is our worship to God. Baptism already taken care of. You had to be baptized before you can be a part of the church. So, uh, every, everything we do is right there. And so the question is, the moment you got saved, you received God's power to become His Son. How well have you received that gift? The moment you were saved, the Holy Spirit came upon you we, didn't have, we do not wait like the disciples did until the day of Pentecost when all of these things finally came into uh, uh, being in God's prophetic time clock. Yeah, we're already past that point, so we're there, right there. The Holy Spirit is in the soul of every saved person. We're supposed to be witnesses. How well did you receive that gift? We're to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I'll tell you. Sometimes pastoring, uh, I was talking with Andrew, I'll illustrate it this way last night. He said, he said, Dad, I still got to work on, on tomorrow's message, talking about today. And I just reached out and shook his hand and said, welcome to the ministry, son. Uh, I said, there's a lot of work. He says, but Dad, 
you know, I, I preach every week since May 27th. And I go, yeah, I didn't say it. Yeah, I've been preaching every week for the last 20-some years, 30, almost 30 years. But you know what? You think you run out of messages. And, and have I repeated myself? Yes. In fact, I have several messages that have sermon title uh, 1997, sermon title 1998, sermon title 2002. Sermon, uh, if I re-preach a sermon, I save it again and put the date after it so that I don't preach it too many times. I remember sitting one time going, oh, yes, I've got to preach on this Sunday. And I said, oh, I preached on that. Just a little while ago. I can't do that. I already did that. And yet, we're to continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. Every sermon I've ever preached has been about the things that the Apostles taught us in this book called the Bible. Every sermon. There's a lot of them. Uh, I do not ask people, do you remember my sermon on such and such? Because I really don't want to know the answer to that question, because I probably already do. Uh, uh, We forget a lot. But I do like the answer of the preacher when he was called into question. He said, you know, in my so many decades of marriage, my wife has prepared... Uh, an innumerable amount of meals. And other than a few very memorable occasions, it would be hard for me to describe all those meals. But the fact that I do need to go on a diet tells me that I did receive nourishment, even though I don't remember everything that uh, she cooked. And uh, I hope and pray that that would be true spiritually as well. Could I get an amen on that? You see... What we're trying to do is we've received a gift. It's called church. And that, that gift has ramifications. It's, it's got life-altering uh, 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 priorities that are connected to it. And if we're not careful, we'll get careless with the gift that God's given us. You know, sometimes being a part of a church means that I've got to change things about myself. It's true of me as a pastor. It's true of every member. But if we're willing to receive that gift, that's what's going to help us love one another in spite of who we are. Amen? That, that's how it works. Turn with me to John chapter 14. You see, the question is this morning, we love to give. And, and that giving kind of puts us in the control seat or in the power seat of the exchange here. And, and I go back to giving my the illustration and giving my wife an engagement ring all those years ago, there were some things attached to that gift. In her receiving that gift, you know, and guys, you need to think about this. When a woman agrees to marry you, she gives up her name. Uh, a Bible marriage, she gives up the direction of her life. She gives up uh, her per- so many personal things. And you better be careful with the gift that is given. It's a tremendous amount. I've often asked people, they say, oh, my marriage is terrible. And I'm, is your spouse willing to stay in the same house with you? Well, yeah, that's not a question. Well, then let's, let's take what has been given and start working on that. Amen? Our Lord and Savior has given us so much. How good are we at this receiving end? Now, 
Look at John chapter 14. Verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I would challenge you to find a greater promise in all the Bible than that one right there. Now, we've got to keep it in context. Jesus is talking to individuals that have believed on him. Judas is gone. He is on his way to betray Jesus. Jesus has told the disciples that they're going to deny him. Peter stood up and said, I'll die first. And Jesus says, before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me thrice. And then he says, let not your heart be troubled. You know, one of the things that as as I grow older in my relationship with the Lord and is I am in total awe of God's patience with me. I just stop and I realize how much patience God has. to continue to allow me to be the pastor of this church. Then sometimes I'm reminded about how much patience I need to be the pastor of this church. And that's not a bad thing. That's just reality. Amen? And each one of us are going to find occasions where we are reminded about how much patience we need how much long-suffering we need to be endowed with to put up with one another, to love one another, to have the fellowship that we're supposed to have as we continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine, as we try to be faithful in our prayers and in our fellowship one with another. And we have this promise that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, which I just told you I'm going to do, I'm coming back and I'm going to receive you. Wow. He says, so that where I am, there you can be. In John chapter 17, as Jesus is praying there, that is the Lord's prayer, John chapter 17. He says, I want them to behold my glory. If you want to know what heaven's going to be about, that's what it's going to be about. You know what? We're going to get to heaven and we're going to find out something. We knew so little about Jesus. Oh, we have... Great knowledge of the Bible. We study the Bible. We are privileged, unlike many, many generations before us, to carry God's Word uh, in, in our hands. I can hold my Bible here in my hand. I've got three or four different Bible programs on my phone uh, so that I can, uh, I can read in one at one pace and read in another at another pace. Uh, I look up things in another. I mean, it's just uh, absolutely amazing. I've got a New Testament. I try to keep it in the pocket of my coat when I go out. And, uh, and so if I have opportunity to witness, I'm ready to witness. And, and we have God's Word everywhere we go. But how good a receiver are we? Yet Jesus here, he says, in spite of everything you're going to do wrong, that's not the question, because I saved you. And because I saved you, I'm going to receive you. Because I want you 
to be with me. Who? Wow. See, it's Christmas Sunday. We talk about the babe being born in the manger. And well, we should. The Bible does. All right? But that baby became a man and died on a cross to pay the price for our sins. He borrowed the tomb for three days. He rose again from the dead. And he ever sits on the right hand of God, interceding for us. Because he's given us some things. He gave us the power to become his sons. We didn't take a big time but, uh, to explain the whole thing, but the idea here is every one of us, man, woman, and children who stand before God, having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, have standing in the presence of God. We have rights to be in His presence, to come boldly before the throne of grace, to be transformed from who and what we are into the very Son of Almighty God. So that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren. He says, I've given you the Holy Spirit. And the only thing that is going to be manifest of that is you're going to tell other people about me. How well we receive that gift. Would someone want your life if they could have it? I've had people say, well, you're just lucky. You, you married a good woman. You've got a nice family. You're just lucky. No, I'm not lucky at all. I've received from Jesus Christ. And He is a great giver. And He wants us to receive. But as we receive that, there are some things that are attached That's why it's called church, not a Bible study. It's called church because there are connections there that are to run deep. We're supposed to be members of each other, members of the body of Jesus Christ to serve Him. And Jesus has promised that if we believe on Him, He's going to receive us into heaven and There are many people that try to teach many different things, but I I will tell you this. If you're saved, you ought to be baptized, you ought to be a member of the church, and you ought to serve God in that church you're a member of. If you mess this thing up, if you're not a very good receiver of God's gift, this promise is still to you. He's not going to give a split rapture where only baptized people go to heaven. You know, God is big enough to straighten out all of our messes. But I want to ask you a question. Do you have any excuse for messing up the way God has given to us? I've had people, you you talk about church and membership all the time. Uh, 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 My salvation has nothing to do with my church membership. That's exactly correct. But if you're a good receiver of that salvation gift, you're going to be a member of his body and continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and, and prayers. You're going to do those things. You see, God in allowing, in being the greatest giver, has allowed us to give back. Do you know what he wants? He wants our soul. You know how much our soul is worth? The suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's how much God says it's worth. We are talking about pride earlier on. I can't be proud about the fact that my life sent Jesus to the cross. I don't want to take credit for that, do you? But the fact that he still lets me give my life to him and accepts it as if it were valuable because it is to him. He completes this circle of giving. 
And I promise you, when Jesus Christ receives your life, He does everything possible with it. You want to realize that inner giant that Joe Osteen talks about? Or champ, I'm sorry, champion, I'm sorry. Be obedient to the Bible and you will be far greater than anything you can imagine or you can plan or you can do with your life. Be a good receiver. Accept what God has given you and let it transform you into His Son. Let it make you a true and honest witness, not on your terms, on His terms. To be used, a tool in the hand of the Holy Spirit of God. To continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. You know, one of the hardest things, and and it's often said, well, uh, you know, I'm I'm a really good worker. I just have a problem getting along with other people. Uh, Well, just a minute. It says apostles' doctrine and fellowship. You want to get along with other people? I'll tell you what. I get along with people who want to serve Christ. I just really do. I don't have any problems. Uh, I don't get along very well with people who don't want to serve Christ. And and people who say, I'm going to do things my way serving Christ. I don't get along with them at all. Because that has nothing to do with the biblical mandate here. Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking the bread prayers. Wow. But the greatest promise at all is that even if I mess things up, He's still going to receive me. But I'll tell you, the moment we get to heaven, we are going to, that moment that we see Jesus we are going to become painfully aware of how poorly we received what He has given us. He doesn't wipe away all tears until after everything's over, the great white throne judgment and all of those things. Then He'll wipe away all tears. And the former things will have passed away, but I I want to challenge you, at the earliest... At the absolute earliest, if God even suspends the normal order of time in His judgment and all of these things, we're still well over a thousand and seven years from that wiping away of all tears. And so, maybe what we need to do... I couldn't think of a better way to really understand the spirit of Christmas and all of this than to just simply ask the question. Okay, you like to give. We all do. It's evident. But how good are we at receiving? What have we done with those incredibly precious things that God has given us? Our salvation. An opportunity to tell others about Jesus. A church. The promise of eternity. And all God's people said, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to probe the heart and soul of each one of us here. And Lord, we're we're not trying to call out any individual here. We're not trying to call attention to any individual issue or problem that may be in our church. What we're trying to do, Lord, what I believe you would have me to do this morning is just to call attention to each one of us as individuals. 
and to use this time of year that we give and receive gifts to understand the great gifts that you have given us and how we limit their potential and misuse and ignore the greatness and the power that is in these gifts. Lord, I go on record saying I'm so thankful that you've promised to receive us in spite of our failures and our lack of allowing your gifts to do the work in our heart that it should. Now, Lord, we ask that you would have the freedom to walk down the aisle and reach into each heart and touch us, convict us, And help us to receive that gift that we could realize the full potential of being a son of God. That we would be the kind of witness that would draw people to Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would honor and treasure the relationship you have given us to Jesus Christ in his church. That when you do receive us unto ourselves, we could hear that, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, no greater gift could we give to you at Christmas at any time of the year than that. We ask that you would help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The invitation hymn, 301, Only Trust Him. And as we sing that song, if you need to come and pray, the altar's open. If you need to be baptized, become a member of the church. We can't do that unless you ask. So would you just come forward and look this way that we can talk to you and get those things in place.